No. Okay. So here's the thing. I was going into this episode thinking, I don't really need to do much because this is mostly a Lisa forward episode. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking earlier today that maybe I should talk about why I don't like it. Yeah. And that would make for more interesting something or other. But I didn't prepare anything and I worked all day. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to OK, But Hear Me Out, a healthy conversation podcast about our favorite fandoms and latest obsessions. Subsessions. Subsessions, yes. Subsessions. <laughs> Obsessions, with a little asterisk mark, because that's how you do it in text message. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Cassie. And I'm Lisa. And on this podcast, our friends and I will be trying to convince each other to dive into our latest favorites. Yeah. That's that's what we're doing. I feel like I'm doing a, a worse job than Cassie, though. Cassie is, like, so good at this. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Watch it because I said so. <laughs> Lisa? Yes. <laughs> What's the disclaimer? The disclaimer of this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is mostly geared towards anime slash manga. However, we are, we have, sorry, wow. However, asterisk mark. Asterisk mark. However, we have many other not so guilty pleasures that we'd be happy to share. Awesome. I'm I sorry. I'm time. giggling. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because I told you I was just editing episode two, and I was just like, is she going to do it this time? I have it. I, I purposely took I have it. I remember Third three time times. Charm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Watch, I'll forget right. next week. <laughs> I can't. I can't with you. <laughs> well, these episodes are coming out every other week, even though we're probably going to get a little ahead because holidays are busy for us. Mm-hmm. Ah, words. <laughs> so the rule. There's only one rule. And the rule is our feelings are canon, meaning that we respect each other's feelings because they are real to them, even if they're different than ours. So at the end of the day, we should respect each other and not hate on each other. That's the only rule of the podcast. Please be respectful. Especially in this episode, because feelings are going to be in the air. (laughs) I'm going to put it that way. very passionate here. Yes. (laughs) We are very passionate about what we love. And sometimes people are very passionate about what they don't like, which is totally fair. Mm -hmm. But as long as we respect that you are going to like The Legend of Korra, and I probably never will, we'll be fine. (laughs) because <laughs> at this point if they've read the title of this podcast episode they know what it's about yes cool so we have discussed the role of the podcast the one and only role today in this episode lisa is going to talk about the legend of cora yeah yeah <laughs> i'm just Thank you. I'm I'm gonna talk about the legend of Korra and why I love the series and the character, and try to yes. convince Cassie to maybe give it a second chance. Because fun fact about Cassie, Avatar: The Last Airbender is one of her absolute favorite things. It is. It is absolutely hands down one of my top five of any animated series, and. I guess we could just get into it because there's no like announcements or anything or mm-hmm. any, anything to do at the top of this episode. 
I'll just give you a quick little, I guess, what it is I'm not fond of. Because I could never really hate anything because hate is just a really strong word. But I will tell you what it is about The Legend of Korra that I'm not a big fan of. And then I'll let you go on to your whole spiel because I know you have one. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't do points like I normally do because there really is, I think, only one major reason that I don't really care for Korra and it's actually Korra herself I'm not saying that she is a bad character Uh but I think it's a very I have discovered and I've finally been able to put it into words because I don't think I was able to fully explain it until maybe like a couple weeks ago (laughs) Uh I have made a discovery that when people ask me what types of books I read. I usually tell them I read like fantasy or YA, like children's fiction. I mean, granted, I read a lot of manga too. And manga has a multitude of genres that can sometimes fit into our like American genres, but not always. Yeah. But like if we were talking about American books, I read a lot of like YA. And I used to read a lot of teen fiction. And I have just discovered, and again, I've finally been able to put it into words, that teen fiction like teen dramas things like that I just don't really care for them and I think it's because they're too angsty (laughs) and I equate that to Cora because Cora is a very angsty teenager and there is nothing wrong with that because we've all gone through our angsty periods Mm -hmm. in our life I don't know if I had a true angsty like period of my life mostly because of my familial situation Mm -hmm. but yeah, Cora is like so teenagery, so angsty. And uh I don't want to compare her to Aang because at the end of the day even though they are the same person, they're not the same person. <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole thing like well they're not the same person, but they they technically are the same person. Uh-huh. Because, you know, they get reincarnated. But it's like I don't know. She just yeah, that's just what I'm going to stick with that. She's just very angsty. Okay. And in the little few minutes that I did think to maybe look something up so I could have something else to talk about besides the fact that Cora is really angsty, at least in my perspective, mm-hmm. is, you know, these articles, which I hopefully will be able to link. I saw a lot of them, so I'm obviously not going to link everything, but I'll link a couple that I found about, you know, people who have made arguments about why Cora is not as good. And there is something that I remembered when I was reading this article that they portray Aang as such a bad dad and that makes me upset again because Avatar The Last Airbender is one of my absolute favorite like shows of all time and for Aang to have gone through this whole series and to have literally like woken up after a hundred year slumber essentially and not had any of his family or friends I mean granted the nomads had like a different like family familial system but like You know what I mean? Like his family and friends were all gone and he formed a new family with his new friends, you know, Katara and Sokka and eventually Toph and Zuko and Suki and all them. Like, so for him to like, and I get it. I do get it from the perspective that, you know, Aang is like the only airbender in the world and he only had one child that was an airbender. I mean, you know, they had two other children, but only one of his children was an airbender and he has to like basically put the entire responsibility of the entire airbender air nomad culture onto his son so I get why he would treat Tenzin a little differently but it just it irked me yeah I think that's a common thing is like some people I mean 
overall, I guess. But a lot of a lot of people don't seem to like if their like childhood heroes kind of grow up to be not the best people. Not saying Aang was a bad person. Yes. Um, but I do also. I mean, granted, they are fictional characters, and there's only so much you can do in their world. Yeah. And I'm not. But he saying had a that lot of trauma, have... yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't help. You don't just outgrow that. Yeah. And he never really had time to really process it. Or if he did, we weren't shown that as the audience. We yeah. were told that by how he interacted with his kids, which just wasn't positive, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying that you can't grow up to be a bad parent just because you were a good person in your younger years. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's not possible because it's totally possible. Yeah. But I think the di- the other part that about that that irks me so much is that Katara apparently let it happen. And mm-hmm. I was like, absolutely not, because you know <laughs> Katara is my favorite. And yeah. she also, like, doesn't take that. No, that would not happen. I mean, obviously it did because, you know, the creators made it so. And I'm not a writer. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't create the show. I didn't create these characters. So it is their baby. It's just one of those things that, like, it makes me so sad. Yeah. And I think, like, those two reasons were... Yeah, like the two main reasons, Korra being extremely angsty, and I get it. There's like a lot of, there are great things about Legend of Korra mm-hmm. in general, like the show, the, the extra world building that builds on top of the world that we already know of, and I obviously, I love the episode of Avatar 1, like the how the cycle got started. First I think it was one. a fabulous episode. Great I thought episode. that was, yeah, it was great. I loved it. I love the extra world building, but I think Korra herself, especially, spoiler alert for anybody who maybe hasn't seen Korra, when she got, like, the Avatar cycle, like, she got separated. Like, she got cut off mm-hmm. from it. And, I mean, yes, they reformed the bond, but, like, it just yes irks and no. me. But also, technically, that wasn't really her fault. I know. <laughs> I know. But also, in the ba- like, again, I don't like to be a mean person because I respect <laughs> that. I Because, you know, I love You're you. Not I respect a mean that person. you. I, <laughs> I just... It just irks me because I like on the one hand I'm like not really your fault but also Cora do better. Okay, so fun fact, uh, your one of your critiques that about her character is like in my notes because it's a very common critique about her being <laughs> so angsty, if you will, or stubborn. You know, which is a better word for her. She's extremely stubborn. So here's like one of my points it, for that. I guess like she should be an earthbender. I'm oh, she saying. would have been a great earthbender. But right. Here's, I, feel, here's, I is, just feel uh, like if she was an earthbender, naturally I would have liked yeah. her better. See, that's the funny thing is about that is like a lot of people critiques, if you will, or concerns about her stubbornness and her attitude that they don't really like for her is the same attributes that they love in Toph, which I find so funny. Toph is also one of my absolute favorite characters. I do love Toph. um, Like, actually, out of my three favorite characters, two of them were Earthbenders, you know? It was Toph and Kiyoshi, and then my absolute favorite is Korra. You know, and it's just, like, a lot of the things that I've I've heard people say that they don't like about Korra, and I was like, Toph has done the same thing, and y'all praised her for it. I don't know, maybe because she was just a younger kid and she used it as a, like, as a way, I'm talking about Toph here, she used it as a way to, like, cover up the hurt that she got from, like, her family and all that. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. But I just find that interesting that, like, a lot of the critiques that Korra gets, they love in, like, Toph and stuff. But yes, back to Korra. Yes. Sorry. Get on track. Yeah. Don't listen to me. Back to (laughs) Korra. Yes, she is a little angsty, but, like, at the beginning of the series, she's 17. So I'm like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty positive a lot of 17-year-olds are angsty, you know? Especially a lot of 17-year-old girls. And one thing that I would say is to give her some grace in is that she lacks 
social skills at the beginning of the series. Yeah. She was essentially raised, like, in her, her tribe, but she was, like, isolated because she found out she was the Avatar when she was, like, four. Yeah. So she is a child. That was prodigy. hilarious. I love that first I'm scene where she comes you out. You gotta deal with it. <laughs> that, that came out, and I was like, I'm in love. I'm in love. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is literally what hooked me in. Like, they they did a good job with that one. But, like, I, I, I like to give her grace in that because she wasn't raised in a normal social setting. She was found out at the very young age of four that she was a prodigy and the avatar, you know, bending three out of the four elements before she can properly walk. And then she was... Or cover a, her tummy. Yeah, a little belly. I love her little belly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was she, cute. <laughs> she was, um, she was like, immediately, like, whisked away to train for all of her life with all of these teachers of the elements you know that she spent her entire life training she was raised to essentially be the avatar she wasn't raised to be a person if that makes sense her entire well, life valid. she was told you are the avatar your purpose you are one of if not the most important person in your society right so that kind of stunted a lot of her social skills because she didn't have anyone her age really who was going through the same thing as opposed to, you know, the original Avatar gang. You know, Aang had to learn his, to be his his other skills, if you will, but he had teachers and people his age to, like, bounce off of, socialize with, travel with, talk yeah. to. And they that... also had their own little experiences, Katara becoming a stronger waterbender. Yeah. Toph. I'm thinking of, yeah. like, too, whenever you learn about, like, I mean, Aang found out super young because in, mm -hmm. you know, the air nomad culture, they're not supposed to tell them. And I think I remember this from, the episode on Avatar Roku when he you don't find out that you're the Avatar you're not supposed to until you're, you're 16 16 yeah they, so they you get are more raised like law. a normal child and exactly. then you're 16 and that makes a lot of sense I, yeah. I agree with your point that yeah. you should be raised normally so that you can develop the skills that are essential to being like a regular human being yeah Exactly. And she unfortunately was robbed of that, you know, through no fault of her own. So when she comes out, because like, and she, she desperately wants that, you know, she wants to get out from where she is trained. They start the, ep the, the season or the series, if you will, with her supposed to go to Republic City and then was told, actually, there was a setback, so you're not going to do that. And then she just sneaks off because she desperately wants to go there, that freedom. And then when she gets to the city, it's all brand new. She She's so off with her skills that she doesn't even know that she has to have money to, like, pay for things. You know, she comes off this boat and her and her polar bear dog, Naga, love her, you know, they, they, they're they hungry. So they go and find food. And she's like, oh, can I have this? And they're like, yeah, you have to pay for it. And she's like, I don't have money. You know, she didn't even know that that was, like, a thing she really needed. Yeah. So she was sheltered for a lot of her her life, you know. I like to think, because I've, I've read this before and seen and seen this in some arguments for Korra, where Aang was a person who had to learn to be the Avatar, whereas Korra was the Avatar who had to learn to be a, a person, you know? Wow, that was so well, like, that was so eloquent. <laughs> They're not my words, but thank you. <laughs> um, I wish I could take credit for that, but I, I can. I hope you will send me the link to the person who can credit with that. I will, yes. Thank you. So, like... You know, she was raised, told that she is the Avatar. She's important. Her 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 purpose in life is to be the Avatar. Now, with Aang and his Avatar ship, if you will, he was constantly working towards, you know, doing that. His whole goal was to stop Ozai, and that was his big journey, you know? He was needed at his time, like, desperately needed. Whereas Korra 
because of the advancements of society and essentially the setting where Republic City was supposed to be like this melting pot of all the cultures, she wasn't needed as much as she was told. So, mm. like, they were essentially at peace for the most part, whereas in Aang's time, they really weren't. But, like, she, you know, the, the world will always need the Avatar in this in this world, if you will. Yeah. But when she came to Republic City, she wasn't needed as much as she was raised to believe. And then whenever she would go out to try to help, she got a lot of pushbacks. There was a lot of politics. She had a lot of red tape. She wasn't just free to be the Avatar, which is all she knew how to do, you know? Yeah. So she really, she just didn't know. As, as yeah, sucky I'm as sorry. that sounds, she just didn't <laughs> know that no. there was more to life for her. And she never expected that. She was always very happy being the Avatar. Like, that was her favorite thing about herself. Like, I'm not I'm not saying it's not, the show itself is not without its problem. Because it's not a perfect show in no way, shape, or form. But I also think no it had... No show is the perfect yeah. show. I mean, people argue <laughs> that Avatar is, like, one of the best shows. And it is. It's a it's very 100%. good, close to and being perfect show. it ages so well. It does. And it's a kid show. Like, that's, yeah. that's the thing well, that I love about it. Quote, so unquote, kid show. Quote, yeah, quote, unquote. You know, it's a, a younger person show. But, like, I think what, you know, with Korra, it had a lot against it because it was already a sequel series to a very beloved series. You know, it, yeah. was, it was already up against a lot. Yeah. And on top of that, it wasn't supposed to go on for as long as it did. So, yes. like, the studio, this kind of sucks with a lot of media, especially when, like, movies and TV shows, when studios have a lot of say that's detrimental to the program, and it kind of ruins it. And I be- I really believe that Nickelodeon kind of fumbled the ball with Legend of Korra because of that. <laughs> especially, with, like, the last season, half of it wasn't even aired on TV. You have to go online to see it, which cuts off a lot of your... Yeah, it cuts off a lot of your audience because not everyone may have access to that or would yeah, even want to go that extra mile. Back in the day, yeah, you had to watch stuff. I mean, Cora came out in a time when and, internet was better. Yeah, it was 2012 to 2014. So the show itself didn't even run that long, but yeah. it had so many problems in the in the interim, you know? Yeah. Due to the network, <laughs> which sucks because I, I, general, I generally, I really believe had it had the full support of this studio and like better writing because the the writing sometimes fumbles a little bit too it would have been just as good and on par with avatar the last airbender like it wouldn't have because if you look at the avatar fandom there is a divide with Korra, you know yeah which i don't like (laughs) you know i hate i hate that for the for the fandom that this series has such a divide with people who love it so much you know i the only thing that should have divided this not even a division was the movie that doesn't exist you know <laughs> um, i think all avatar fans can agree that that movie does not exist there's no movie in bossing say um, no, <laughs> you know but it's it yeah. also shows <laughs> that was I also good think that was so good blame you blame you what I also love about Korra is that even though there was, it does have such a divide in the fan base, like the Avatar Last Airbender fan base, the Korra fan base itself is also very, very strong, you know? Mm. So much so that she still gets talked about to this day. Janet Burney gets a lot of love whenever she's the voice of Korra. Sorry, by the way. Now, um, I, I listened to the Bravey the Elements podcast. Thank you I'm very t- much. I'm saying this for our audience in case they didn't know. <laughs> oh, yes. If you guys want to hear Janet Varney and Dante Bosco, the voice yes. of Zuko, 
They have yeah. their own podcast called Braving the Elements. It's amazing. We are not supported by them, but we love it. So we're going <laughs> to tell you to go listen. But Janet Verney is like so amazing with her love for this character, as you know, she should be. It's Cora. And a lot of her like social media is is committed to showing off like Cora fan art, talking about Cora, keeping her legacy, if you will, alive. And with the new like Avatar Studios, you know, she's getting her own movie in a couple of years. You know, the fan base clearly is strong enough where they can justify a movie for her. I did see that announcement. I mean, I didn't read the full announcement. Oh, but I, I did, did see. I, I know you did. There, I was and, and you think. I mean, as a super huge Avatar fan, I was like, I should read this article. I was like, I'll get back to it. I have a lot yeah, of stuff yeah. to do today. And then you just reminded me that I never got back to it. Yeah. No, I, so I was watching because like, Studios. yes, more Avatar movies. Zuko's getting his own. Korra gets her own I movie. And like. did see the Zuko part. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. But Zuko is <laughs> also one of my other favorite characters. Zutara mm-hmm. forever. Uh, okay. I'm going to drop my mic now. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, so she clearly has, like, love with the Korra fan base, you know? She also has her story continues in her comics and the extra media with the Avatar lore. And you learn more about her her journey in those comics, you know? And they Mm -hmm. are canon, so if you haven't, if you are a fan of Korra but haven't read those comics, I highly recommend them. They're very good. Right now there's two, two stories out that, and then are, oh, crap. Wow, I don't have the names in front of me. It's um, Empire. <laughs> no, right? It's like, I know what these are. If you give them to me in my face, I can definitely show you what they are. But, like, titles always escape me, if you will. That's okay. I don't know. I mean, I own all the Avatar, like, the regular Avatar Last Airbender comics, and I don't know Same. all of them. I know but one I is, own like, all of them. Promise, and then I couldn't tell you the others, but I've read them yeah. all. <laughs> Obviously, the promise is the... Or no, not the promise. The promise is the first one, but the search is the most important one that all Avatar fans need. <laughs> oh, got him. Okay, I'm so here it is. Turf Wars. Why can't I ever remember Turf Wars? I can't remember that name for whatever. I don't know. But maybe the... because this is not the '90s anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But the first, uh, the first I'm glad set you of think I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like I'm not funny, and then no, you're I'll hilarious. Be, like you tell me I'm funny, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I guess I'm a little funny. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, her comics are like the first trilogy is Legend of Korra Turf Wars, and the second trilogy is Legend of Korra Ruins of the Empire, which I love so much, and I will get to that in a second. I also think another reason, um, one of my points that I have here is why people may not like Korra is because she loses her battles a lot, and I'm like, do you want her to have plot armor and just always win? You know, also she's, it's just, I find that, like, I mean, granted, she wins a lot as well but i'm like she's not infallible she's just the avatar like she could still get hurt she could still die you know and a lot, i think uh, a yes, lot of people put a, yes <laughs> yeah I, I think a lot of people put a lot of stress on her being perfect and always winning because she is the avatar and yeah because she also runs headfirst into her her battles a lot so you're like oh if you're gonna do this at least back it up <laughs> but i think that's I think <laughs> yes. I don't know if you remember that, but that, yeah. that that's what she reminds me of. I'm just like But I think that's like if you watch, that's kind of like the point is that she always runs so head first into it and she's just not prepared. And then she dials it back and gets better, you know? Yeah. She's obviously very headstrong and she's very confident in herself. Like, yeah, she was kind of raised to be the avatar, but like even so, she is very good at what she does. So she ha- she's she's allowed to be confident in her abilities because she yeah. she earned that. She is a strong fighter. 
I will <laughs> just interject because I feel I've been interjecting with you a lot. I'm so no, you're sorry. good. But I also feel like if I was quiet the whole time, it would be really boring. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to say that Korra has to be perfect. I'm not saying she has to win all her battles mm-hmm. because, I mean, if you think about it, in the Avatar universe, Aang, I mean, he almost basically lost right away because he disappeared for 100 years and all this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. And he's playing catch up in the overall war that's happening in this world. Yeah. Now, you don't have to think about it that way. But, like, you know, they don't always win their stuff. I mean, think about season two when they lost Boss Sig Say. That was a huge failure. A huge hit, yeah. Huge, huge hit. And I, I definitely think that what I love about failures in, like, series is that usually – there's like big teaching moments. Like you learn so much from like, you know, in regular life, you learn more from failure than you do from success. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's for regular life as well as in, you know, fictional realms. <laughs> but I think sometimes it's hard with Cora again. Cause you said, I mean, I know that she doesn't always lose. Mm-hmm. I feel maybe, I mean, I know she learned, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's almost like she doesn't learn her lesson. I'm like, you, you ran head first into this battle. I think she does fine. learn her lesson. I, I really think she does. You know, especially when she gets more support from her little gang, you know. She needed her own Avatar gang. She did. And the Team Avatar. <laughs> you know, it's just Mako, Bolin, and Asami, they, they do help her because she needs to she learn needs social help. skills, if you will. Yeah, she needs help. <laughs> and I think, I think she does learn. I think... You know, she she will always be a stubborn character. Like, that's just, you know, part of her personality, mm. you know, whether you love it or not. But I believe she does learn from it. I mean, a lot of times it also kind of sucks when you're t- when you're being told no, when, when you think what you're doing is just the right move. Like, you're trying to help. Because, like, the, no matter what Korra does, she's always trying to help somebody, you know? She, tra- yeah. she takes her avatar position very seriously. So it sucks when she's trying to help and everyone's like, no, we don't need you to do this or want you to do this. And she's like, so what's the, what is the point of me? You know, that's one thing she does grapple with is her, her whole life being told like, this is your one thing. And then coming to Republic City and being told, actually, no, we don't really need that. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. There's like this whole secret organization trying to overthrow everybody. Yeah, you know, and I think, I mean, in my in my opinion, I feel like Korra's antagonists were worse than Aang's, if you will. See, that is something, if that's going to be your next point, that is something that I read in an article. I don't remember which one. Hopefully, mm-hmm. when I go back to link stuff, it'll be the correct one. But there was one person who was saying that that's one of the things they didn't like about Korra is that they felt like there was too many yeah adversaries I, I get to that. one folk to I mean and I get it you know if you're going throughout a long journey mm-hmm. you might have you obviously going to face more than one adversary and you know Korra takes away 70 years after Avatar and Last Airbender there's a lot mm-hmm. more you know technologies advance and even though we love technology technology also causes more problems yeah well that's that's yeah so uh, for starters her first adversary Amon that was like the first time which I think maybe is why part of people like didn't like her is because she's also stubborn and runs in she's never felt fear before she's never had to you know Mm. and Amon had the ability to take away bending that scared her 
Yeah. And that can do a lot to you when you are told or when you believe you're unbreakable for most of your life. Granted, we know the avatars aren't, but that's like us as the audience. But Korra herself really believes, you know, there's nothing that could really harm her because of how she was raised and her being the avatar. Whereas Amon was just that. <laughs> he yeah. can take away your bending, her purpose. She, you know, every time she went up against this guy, you know, you can tell she was scared that he would take away the one thing that makes her special. And that's another thing about her is that she really believed for a while that there was nothing good about her besides her being the avatar. Like she didn't have that much self-worth in regards to anything else, which I, which makes me sad because I'm just like, girl, no, you're amazing. Me being fangirl. And I love that she kind of learned more about herself as the series goes. But like Amon was like out here trying to take everyone's bending. And she's like, no, like bending is the best thing ever, especially to her being the avatar. So, like, yeah. that adversary alone was terrifying. That's, like, the first time she was actually scared. So that I feel like she had, like, that was kind of like a, a mind warp. I don't want to curse on this, <laughs> if you will. I and it's, it, like, it that that took her longer than I than most of us would have liked for her to wrap her, her head around. Was, like, yes, there is someone out there who could, in fact, hurt you. But, like, not even just hurt you physically, but, like, mentally like this is your your thing you know and he can take that from you and there's nothing you can do about it it's just a lot for her to have to wrap her head around while dealing with living in a new town meeting new people still trying to master airbending being on a sports team you know there's just she had a lot also going on for her knowing how to be a regular human being yeah she had like a lot going on this first season which was a detriment and a bit to itself because the season was supposed to be like a one-off so it felt like a lot of stuff was rushed and put in it was packed with so much and nothing could flesh out yeah I mean I think we can all agree that the first and the first season was really rushed and I think it's because that they I don't know probably because they weren't given enough time to really do yeah it's it was rough and I feel like they wanted to do so much more but they were only given a limited space so they're like we got to pack everything in because we don't know if we're getting we don't think we're getting another season. This is just supposed to be a a limited series. You know, it's not supposed to be, you know, it's just it wasn't supposed yeah. to be what it was. And I think something they said something similar on Braving the Elements. Mm-hmm. The creators were saying that something similar with Avatar. They were like, We're just gonna tell our story and then, you know, we don't know if we're gonna get to the end, but we're gonna tell our story and then yeah. they, you know, obviously they got to finish it the way they would like to. Exactly. Which is great. But I don't yeah, I definitely don't think the same was for with, with Korra. Especially because, like, the environment of how shows are were so different by the time Korra came out. And, I mean, the same thing now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you got to think about, like, bingeability nowadays. Yeah, exactly. And at this time, we weren't binging things, you know. There was weekly yeah, episodes coming out that. weekly. Had to wait a week. <laughs> yeah. Which can be a detriment or not, depending on how you look at it. Sometimes I like waiting and having the anticipation. Sometimes I'm like, no, give me everything now, you know. Depends. Yeah. We're a little spoiled with it now. So yeah, so the first season we had Amon, which was one of her first time she felt fear. The second season um, was her uncle. And for the most part, um, Unalak, sorry, that's his name. She didn't really have a reason to, to fear him or think ill of him. Because she also found out in this, this season that like the people around her have been lying to her for most of her life. And the one person who it seemed like wasn't lying to her was obviously her adversary. And he had his own little scheming plot if you will so yeah. some people felt I like oh she was too trusting yeah. yeah and I was like she had no reason not to trust this man you know like she really kind of didn't so that was her, a detriment to herself but like 
she really didn't have a reason to not trust her uncle, you know, she, and especially after being betrayed by her father and Tenzin, you know, to her. So like, she was like, you know what, he is doing something that you guys couldn't do for me. Cause she was, he taught her how to like spirit bend and they couldn't do that. You know? And she was like, he did what you guys were trying to t- have me do for a while and he could do it and you couldn't. So of course I'm going to try to go with him to learn as much as I can and try to help as many people as I can. And then in this season, of course, there is her losing her connection to her past life, which does suck, but that's not her fault. <laughs> I will. I don't know how much I'm going. I will die on this hill. That was I was going to say, is this, is this what you're going to die on? <laughs> yes, I will. That was not her fault. Okay, it was not. But a big, like a big theme, to me at least. I can't say this for all the rest of the audience, but I'm pretty sure like a theme, a big theme for Legend of Korra was like embracing the future and like letting go of your past. And if you will, you know, it was a little harsh. The, the, uh, they, that was their past. She was letting go. Whatever. Not by her her doing, though. But not her fault. And I wish people would stop blaming her for that. Especially since she came back more powerful than ever afterwards anyway. And then my favorite adversaries of her were in the next two seasons. So in the third and the fourth. Zaheer was crazy. He, psychopath. Him getting airbending ability just made it worse. That was also a very brutal season, in my opinion with the red lotus you know but i i love zaheer as a antagonist you know he is actually i would say he is actually one of my favorite <laughs> antagonists if you will after all that what she went through with zaheer and the red lotus did scar her a lot which i think for a a, a show aimed at kids or young younger people and young adults you know i think that's kind of important to show especially how she gets through that in the next season and how mental illness and disabilities are like representation, if you will, yeah. of those things. Because I don't think a lot of a lot of TV shows that were geared towards kids are really out here showing how people go through these things, and that is normal, if you will. Not normal. Like, <laughs> how do I say that? It's like this happens. These this, these are things that happen to people, and how we deal with them, and they, that it matters, and how so that they can know like there will always be someone there to help you, or what you're, I think what you're trying to say is that even though it's not showcased in media, being disabled is a normal thing. Like uh-huh, there yes. are many people in the world <laughs> that have and go through these struggles that Cora goes went through. Thank through. you. Yes, that's, yeah. that's what I was and trying even to. Even though work she only in. goes through them for a small, not I mean, in the grand scheme of her entire lifespan, an insignificant amount of time, mm-hmm. there are many people who go through this and they go through it for their entire lifetimes. Yeah, it just it shows a, a side of trauma that isn't normal in a kid's show. Yeah, I hate that she has this trauma, but I love her her growth through it. I love her discovery of herself. I keep saying this a lot. I'm sorry, and I just like how they work through her trauma for the most part. That's just my favorite thing. She's not just infallible anymore she's not just the avatar she is now a person as well and she also doesn't in this season because like in the past season she's tried to run into her problems head first she doesn't try to do that this time she's like we're gonna try to think this through and go through it at another angle for the most part and then i think i love it so much because this this storyline with kuvira in the last season gets followed through in the comics with ruins of an empire and there's like full circle in that. And then there's always the representation of, you know, her in her character period just being brown girl. Her Are you saying that in general? Or are you saying that this is one of the reasons I should appreciate Cora? Oh no, I'm saying that in general. <laughs> Don't appreciate her just because she's brown. 
down, Cassie. I do, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, but uh, that I I like the representation with her being a brown girl. Granted, like race isn't the same in this world as it is in like our society, if you will. Yeah. But she's still a a darker brown girl, you know, on TV being the main well, character. Random mm-hmm. side note, if I could interject, uh-huh. I feel like I've been a little quiet for too long. <laughs> This has nothing to do with Cora, but just the statement that you said. I mean, when I first got into, like, really started getting into anime, mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe not when I first did, but when I went to my first con, I wanted to cosplay. I knew immediately that I wanted to be one of those people that went to cons and cosplayed. Yeah. And as much as I love it, I had this distinct impression when I went to my first convention in high school, that you had to look like the character in order to cosplay them. Yeah. And, of course, there's not a lot of brown, darker-skinned characters in anime. Maybe there is more, like, these days, but back then, not really. Yeah. And even though Avatar is not an anime, I could only think of one character that I absolutely love that I would want to cosplay. So my first cosplay was Katara. Mm Mm-hmm. For the reason, not just because I loved her, because I do love Katara. Obviously, Katara is mm-hmm. my favorite character. But because I also felt that you had to look like the character in order to cosplay them. Yeah. And then when I went to that convention and discovered you don't even have to be the same gender if you choose to subject yourself, I guess, to mm-hmm. gender norms. You don't even have to be the same gender as the character in order to cosplay them. You don't even have yeah. to have... I mean, granted, there's always been wigs and stuff like that, but you don't have to look anything like a character to, cosplay to even them. cosplay them. Yeah. I think one of the best Aangs I've ever seen was a really short, black, bald guy, and he <laughs> did paint tattoos all over him, and it was fabulous. <laughs> I... Anyway. Sorry. Do you... No, you're um, good. I just want to know. Do you have... We've talked a lot. We've gotten a lot of different side rants, which is fine because you're mostly the one talking. I have no points really to make. <laughs> I is have an, a couple, a couple more points. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's see. Which these two? Okay. So, um, well, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Was how like the a lot of critiques was because the writing was a little lackluster at points, which I mm-hmm. will admit, like it's not the best written show, especially when you compare it to Avatar: The Last Airbender. And I just, I really think that just has to be with a lot of input and messing around with the studio. They had to work with what they had. You know, I will yeah. never fully blame the crew on this show they worked with what they got and i still love this show regardless of it so i'll give it that i also think and i'm not saying you do this but i feel like a big reason cora gets the hate that she gets is because of misogyny and i feel like it's going to turn a lot of people off when i say that but i generally think that when a headstrong powerful character comes on screen and it's not a, a man or male presenting it immediately has points docked against it, regardless if you know the source material or fully watched it at all. As soon as they see a woman or a femme-presenting person on screen, it's immediate no for some people. Not saying everyone does this, but... Yeah, I was going to say, some people. Some people. I don't I don't say I think everyone does this. I know there's, there's not. There's some mad love for Avatar Kyoshi. That's the thing, like... That's what I find so weird is like they, it's kind of like nitpicky because of I mean I also it's nitpicky and like a bit of her age. So when we meet Kiyoshi in the show, she's not a, a teenage girl, you yeah. know. She is a past life of Aang. She's a fully formed adult when we see her. Whereas when we meet Korra, she is a teenage girl. And as much as people would like to not admit it, teenage girls get a lot of vitriol, unwarranted and unnecessary. 
and that's what she is. She's a teen- when she starts off the series, she's a teenage girl. So I feel like yeah. I a mean, lot of this is be- teenagers are annoying. No, yeah, no, I, I completely think get that. Toddlers Teen- and kids are annoying. Toddlers and kids are hilarious. <laughs> Teenagers have angst. Yeah, I just I feel like you know I want to be treated as adults even though they don't know what that means. Yeah, I mean, essentially, but it's just like teenage girl, and you're like no, and she is compared a lot to Aang, which I think is unfair. Because they are technically the same person, but they have two different personalities. They were raised differently. They were from different tribes. They were from different bending styles, you know? So I'm like. Yeah, and the bending style has a lot to do with the culture. Exactly. Granted, I feel like with Korra, because she she was a waterbender. She was. She is a waterbender. It should have been a little bit more calm compared to, I want to say, like earthbending, in my opinion. But, you know, they're just, they are different people and different personalities. And I, I feel like that was a point, a very important point for you guys, not you guys, like you in general, but for audiences to realize that she is not Aang. She's yeah. not. Like, she is a, her own character, her own person. Comparing her to Aang isn't fair, and you have to realize she is not Aang. We all love Aang, but she's not him. And I think so many people were just, like, expecting her and to be, just to like be Aang, Aang yeah. or expecting her and her group to also be like the original Avatar gang. And I'm like, they're different people in different lifetimes with different skills. Though I will say, <laughs> if I can play devil's advocate slightly, okay. some of the articles that I read argue that the reason they didn't like it is because they feel a lot of Team Avatars copy and paste from the original Team Avatar. Really? I, f- I feel like the only thing that was really copy and paste was the non-bender aspect of it. There was one, but I feel like that's also like purposefully well, there because it's a of balance. compare Sokka and Bolin. Okay, sure, but do you want a super serious group all the time? You have to have comic relief. <laughs> and I don't think Sokka and Bolin are, are, are similar. Uh, yeah. What I, are your other points, yeah. my friend? Um, That was the main thing is, like, I think a lot of it has to be her gender. is like, a big issue why some people don't like her, unfair as that is. Yes, she can I mean, be arrogant. Yes, she can be stubborn. I personally like that about her, and I think parts of, at times she is owed that in a way, she also had like a, she just had a lot fight against her period, both the show and the character, you know. And I yeah. feel like she doesn't get enough stock in the fact that she was able to achieve what she did, regardless of what was thrown against her, which I think is a is a cool thing, you know. I, as I said, I love the show. I would even go so far as to say I'm a bigger fan of this one than Avatar, and that's just <sighs> I know that breaks your heart, but like. I uh, really love Korra. I really, really do. And I love, I love Avatar. Coffee. We can still be friends. You'll still yeah, be Yeah, like, I really, I love, Av- like, Avatar in general. Like, that's just a, a, the whole world. A, yeah, like, the, the Avatar world is just so good. Like, it's just one of those things that I will always continue to watch and recommend to people. Uh, I just think I fight so hard for Korra more so just because she has so much against her. I think if she wasn't. I think a lot of it can be my biases. Like, if she didn't have as much vitriol against her, I wouldn't have to, have to like, fight and try to prove that she is worth it, if you mm. will. Yeah. I, I just, I think she's such a great character. I love her growth. I love, not even just her, like, all the characters in general. I love the antagonists. I like the animation style. I like the mixture of old world and new. I think that was so cool, especially for, like, a show where, like, these benders are very much grounded obviously in the elements and they have all these other things added to it you know like the building of this world is just so cool (laughs) and I love it so much and I I will defend Korra until I die I I love love this show so much and I wish she didn't get as much 
hate as she does. Not saying that you hate her, but like in general, <laughs> I wish she didn't. She wasn't such a big division in the Avatar fandom because I I yeah. think that to, they together they're just so good. I love the continuation of it. You know, yeah. I think it's just an overall good good uh brand series. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that all your points? I was just yes. it sounded like that was yes. your wrap up. Okay. Because I didn't want to interject if you hadn't worked. <laughs> no, you're good. No, I mean, yes, you are correct. I don't hate Korra. Again, I think it's just her angstiness. And again, I finally have found the words that I realized that once we started doing this, I was like, I think this is what irks me about her. And it's not just Korra. It's like pretty much any teenage character. No, I get that completely. And not, well, I shouldn't say any because there are many teenage characters in anime and manga. I think a lot of typically, stereotypically, maybe I should say, American written characters. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, did you watch Korra when it first came out or later? I watched it. I, first season I watched as it's coming out. I watched it weekly. Oh, okay. Because I know some people, like, I, sometimes if you would have watched it, like, maybe not recently, but, like, as an adult, you would have been more like, eh, I, I can't really c- commit, not commit, relate to her because she's a teenager. Because I feel that way sometimes when I read, like, young adult books. It's like, oh, I can't relate a lot sometimes anymore because I'm no longer a teenager. I guess technically I was a teenager when Cora was coming out, but I was in college. Yeah. I mean, we were in college. We're the same well, age. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were still younger. Like, yeah. it came out in 2012. I was I mean, what, I 18, 19. I also got into Sophia yeah. the First in college. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm not saying, like, all YA media is like that, but I know that sometimes can be a thing. But no, we, we were both watching it when it first came out, so never mind. So... I have a question for you then. This, okay. this is not a transition. I'm bad at transitions as we've discussed. <laughs> but I did have a thought because obviously there's Avatar Studios and they're coming out with some great projects. Mm-hmm. But have you heard of the legend of Genji? Is that the Earthbender boy? Yes. Isn't that not like confirmed? Isn't that like a fan thing? It is a fan made continuation yeah. of Korra. I haven't actually I- like looked into it, but I've seen it on some of the like Avatar pages I'm a part of. Yes. I First of all, I haven't. I'm not going to say one way or another because I haven't watched the videos that they've released on YouTube yet of the chapters that came out. I did see some character designs that I thought were really cute. And I do know the kind of premise. I didn't fully read it. I was just curious if you had and what you thought of it. But if I can share with you the premise of it, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I know really not a lot about it besides it being a fan thing. And sometimes with those, I try to avoid them because then my hopes get too high and then when yeah. they do come out with like if they if they were to come out with another avatar i'd be like you're not who i've been reading these years you know yeah i yeah definitely a fan thing which i do know that there is a book that was published i don't remember what it's called but it's cora like gathered letters and basically yes wrote, i have it <laughs> yes she wrote that to the next avatar in the cycle because there is no connection anymore she's like this is what i have to pass on to you yeah which, I mean, I guess the only reason I was kind of upset about her losing that connection is because there's, like, a really strong history and being the Avatar is almost its own culture, and now she doesn't have that connection to her Avatar culture. Yeah. But that's a totally different side note conversation. No, the I Legend of Genji is basically how, like, because Korra was, you know, disconnected from her past lives, in the next cycle with the air, or not the air, lol, the Earthbenders, that the Earth Kingdom essentially is, like, worried that there is not going to be another Avatar because mm-hmm. her cycle, like, her connection was broken. 
And so they basically decide for themselves to give people hope that this person is going to be the next avatar. But he's not the avatar. The next avatar is like a sandbender. Mm, okay. And so it's like the juxtaposition of the actual avatar, who's this, you know, poor sandbender village kid, as opposed to the one that they promote in, you know, because now they have that technology mm-hmm. to promote him on TV and all that stuff, but he's not really the avatar. That sounds interesting because that's a similar ish premise to The Rise of Kiyoshi, her book. Mm-hmm. Which I still haven't read. It's on my roommate's side of the bookshelf. You should read them, especially since Yang Chang's book comes I out know, in about two weeks. I know. Um, I know. But, Listen, I don't have time. No, I get that. <laughs> um, but no, that's a, a similar-ish. Sorry for the slight spoiler for it. Uh, I mean, granted, we all know Kiyoshi's the Avatar, but in the book, she's not. They are saying someone else is the Avatar. Yeah, it that's interesting. I, f- I think they got a lot, if, if they have, I feel like they got a lot of inspiration from The Rise of Kiyoshi. Yeah. I just, yeah, I think it's interesting. Again, I haven't read a whole bunch into it. I haven't, like, watched the stuff that they've released on their YouTube channel or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to know what your opinion was because I thought it was very interesting. I might give it a, a try. I'm always looking for more, like, Avatar stuff, as, as you know, with me having all of the comics <laughs> and stuff yes. and these side books. So, yeah, but I think that's a good idea. I might look into it. Might. I'll send might. You yeah. Um, like I said, <laughs> I, I get very, like, scared with fan-made stuff because I'll be like, this is so good. Avatar Studios, get with it. And then, you know, that's not it. Like, I, I'm i ex- Well, I'm sure yeah. Mike and Brian have, like, a whole plan because they're Mike and Brian. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we're going to work on it. <laughs> so, that's, yeah, okay, sure. So, yeah, Logan Okoro. Um. <laughs> I recommend people giving it a chance. I'm not saying you have to love it. Uh, I could try to give it a chance simply for the world building, but since it's about Korra, it's yep, kind of the hard. The legend of Korra. Yeah, she <laughs> might have a couple of lines in there or something. One or two. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Well, thank you, Lisa, for your entire dissertation on why you like Korra. You are welcome. Everyone should also watch Legend of Korra and read her comics. And watch her movie when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. I do think you made some good points that I definitely didn't think about before. And this is why I'm so glad that I got you to talk to me about Cora. Because we've had semi-conversations about it. But obviously not a deep dive like this episode has been. Yeah, we've mostly and talked about Avatar. <laughs> yes, we talk about Avatar all the time. <laughs> but I am like glad that you shared this with me. Because they're definitely, like, you saying that you know, Cora just wasn't raised the same. Like, I never really thought about that. But now mm-hmm. that I'm, like, going back into my files and my brain about it, I'm like, you're right. <laughs> that is true. Do I still, like, don't get me wrong. I won't fault her. I can't fault her for some things. But I still, just yeah, it's just the angstiness for me. <laughs> the overall and she's not the only one. Let's be real. Mako, very angsty. Oh, so angsty. Oh, my gosh. So angsty. Like, probably gosh. maybe even more than Cora. And I'm like, Ugh. Definitely. <laughs> so I did not prepare which segment we were going to do. <laughs> I mean, I figure at this point we're almost always going to do a recommendation segment because we don't really have anything to talk about. One, because this we're recording a little bit in advance, so I have time to edit. But... Mm-hmm. We don't have, like, any response from people or any announcements or anything like that. 
Though I guess, you know, in the audience perspective, if anybody has any recommendations for us, something that you would like us to talk about, granted, we've already planned out the entirety of our episodes of 2022, but if you guys have any recommendations for us, that would be great. Yeah. I'm always open to knowing, knowing, I'm always open to new suggestions. I don't know things. Yes. Give me more media to consume if, or convince me to watch one that I wouldn't have considered, which is, That's you know, part true. of the point of this podcast. Yeah. If somebody has like, like, I know we've been setting up like the way our point, we make our points and arguments quote unquote, as to why you should watch something. But if anybody has like a suggestion, a recommendation, but if anybody also has any points, if they want to send us any links to why we should love it, that would be great. You guys could do like your own version of this podcast, even though I don't say, I'm not telling anybody to do a bunch of research. I'm not giving anybody homework. But (laughs) if you feel so inclined to like give out like points, maybe not as in thorough depth as Lisa just gave us her dissertation on Cora, but that would be really cool. I think I would really love to, to, I don't know. I feel like if somebody gives me a recommendation and I always wanted to give it a chance, but if somebody tells me why I'm like intrigued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what, what about it made you tick and yeah. you think everyone should also learn. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So we're going to say that. Yeah. If you guys have any recommendations or you pals, cause I want to <laughs> say guys, I don't know. Yeah. If you pals, if any pals out there have any suggestions, recommendations, any points they would like to make about those recommendations, let us know. Mm-hmm. Lisa, do you have any recommendations for us today? I think what gave me similar feelings, if you will, to Legend of Korra was She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Mm. I don't know if anyone has, I don't know if anyone, I'm sure people have seen that one. That's one of my go-tos when I'm like, I need a, a Korra-ish binge after I have binge Korra. I usually do She-Ra <laughs> and the Princesses of Power. You know what's crazy is I, I mean, I haven't finished She-Ra, but I have oh. watched it and I do not get the same vibes as Korra. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're like this. I just, something about them is just like strong characters, if you will. Yeah. Like I do. powerful I love characters. She-Ra. She-Ra is a good show. Even though I, I don't think there's, yeah, I don't think they're similar. I don't think Korra and Adora are similar. It's just like I feel very girl boss when I watch yeah. <laughs> Shira as of, as as well when I watch Legend of Korra. Yeah, <laughs> as dumb as that sounds, it's just no, like... <laughs> that's not dumb at all. Like, there are times when like if I see like a strong like female character, especially you know, because I do I consume a lot of shonen, <laughs> and there's not to say that there's not strong characters in shonen, but. When I see, yeah, girl boss, if we could say, if we call it that, if we have any girl boss moments, mm-hmm. like I do, I get super hyped. I'm like, yo, this is awesome. Yeah, they're both kind of like, what are they, what is it? I want to say like, like damaged in a way that they overcome. And I like that about them. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they both were brought up kind of abusively. Not that Cora was like abused, but she was like isolated. Dora was abused. Which is in its own yeah. way a way. An abuse. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like a physical abuse, but it's still not an ideal way to raise a child. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I abuse. don't I don't think yeah. they were intentionally doing that, but it's just like similar to that. You know, Cora yeah. was raised in her power, whereas Dora was like thrust into it. Yeah. And there's queerness in them, which I'm always a fan of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a fan of queer and representation. So give me that. <laughs> oh. Okay, cool. Well, I guess that recommendation is mostly for the audience because I've already at least started it. Yeah, yeah. 
I have no recommendations this time around because, again, I did not come prepared for this episode because I was like, Lisa's doing all the work this episode, (laughs) which lets me get to do more editing for Mm. everyone who potentially came over here from my channel. (laughs) I don't know how many of the people from my channel are going to listen to this. I don't even know if they're going to like it, but you know what? I've been wanting to do a podcast for forever, so here we are. Here we are, and we're having fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well... Again, I'm so bad at transitions, <laughs> so I'm just going to say it. If you would like to join the conversation, you can follow me, Cassie, on Twitter and Instagram at SassyKCreates. Lisa, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Instagram or TikTok, both at bway underscore baby 425. Hooray! <laughs> if you have any respectful thoughts, feelings, maybe rebuttals to anything that Lisa said, again, very respectful. Or, you know, even if you have something, again, that you want us to be as obsessed with as you are, you can visit my website, which will hopefully be open at the time <laughs> when this comes out, which is sassycassie.com, where this podcast and all other manners of the abyss have gathered. And, you know, if you'd like to support me in any way, you can visit my YouTube channel, which is Sassy Cassie, or you can leave us a review and let Lisa know how she did in her dissertation on Cora. I think you <laughs> did a great job. Thank you. Or let me know. I would like to know how, what, if you have any arguments against it, like why you don't like her. Yeah. My only yeah. argument is that she's too angsty for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are also like, you know, valid critiques to this show, but yeah. I'm always interested to know like what other people's perspectives of her is because I always find them interesting. Yeah. Well, it makes me happy that you are open to that because you, as much as you have shown us in this whole session that you love Cora, you are open to people who have various opinions about eat one of your absolute favorite characters of all time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is always nice. Again, we try to be respectful on this podcast. We don't want to be mean. So if you don't like Cora, like me. <laughs> And you have reasons that you would like to share with us. Go ahead. Share them. Maybe this would be easier if I had an email for this podcast. Oh, yeah. It, maybe not. We get a lot of emails. <laughs> uh, well, you're, you are assuming that a lot of people are going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I am. I'm manifesting it. it this far. I'm manifesting <laughs> it. You're going to have so many people. Yes. Um, well, it's also you because you are, again, my unofficial official co-host. <laughs> This was fun. I will always talk about Cora. <laughs> I love I know. this opportunity. The next episode for people who have made it this far, it's going to be interesting because mm-hmm. it's me, but I don't think I'll have to work as hard as you because most people love the show that I'm going to talk about. And I have never seen a single episode or read a single chapter. Yes. So, <laughs> yes, I, I'm excited to share this with you. Anyway, thank you all again for being a part of the conversation and hearing us out.